Father, help us to love you more and more. And may our love be expressed as we listen to you, as we continue in worship of you. And we ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. There's so many facets to the concept of prayer. We praise God for who he is. We give thanks to God for what he's done. We confess our sin to God because he calls us and says that he loves to forgive us. We pray sometimes with loud shouts and music and sometimes we pray in quiet and silence. There are all kinds of ways in which we pray. And if you, if you go to the prayer room, if you haven't been there, you will find that there are many ways to help us pray. Many facets of prayer in which we are, can be engaged through various tactile types of things or different prayer guides or just all kinds of ways. And they're all good and helpful and, and, and they're important as a part of our prayer life. I suspect that when we hear the word prayer, most of us probably think about praying to God, asking God to do something. It's one, you know, when we think about prayer, it's typically, uh, God, get me out of this fix kind of thing, right? We're stuck and we don't know what to do. The path ahead looks dark and we don't know which way to go. We're in a problem and, and we, need, we need help out of it. And, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with those kinds of prayers. In fact, the, the scriptures tell us again and again and again that God wants us to come to him, to ask and seek and knock and, and to pour out our hearts to him and to ask him to help us. It is an important part of praying and it ought to be a part of all of our lives as we pray. But there is another kind of praying that I think we do to some extent. But I think it's a kind of praying that probably, when push comes to shove, tends to get left on the periphery. Or at the very least, we don't engage in it in the way that I think Scripture is calling us to. And this is simply praying for other people. It's what we call intercession, where we, we pray for others. And when we typically think of, of intercession, we think of saying words for other people. And words are an important part of that. But when we read the scriptures, we find that there is something more involved in intercession than we typically imagine. The word intercession means to stand between and, and it, is, it is in this standing between that we, we truly engage in, in this concept of intercessory prayer. It's what Ezekiel calls standing in the gap. And it's what we see Moses doing here in Numbers 14. 
You know, the, the people uh, of Israel have come out of Egypt. God has rescued them, all these miraculous things. And now they're, they're poised to go into the land of Canaan that they've been looking for for hundreds of years. And when the spies come back, they say to the people, this land is amazing. But there's also giants and fortified cities. I don't think we should do it. And all the people agree. And they rise up with one voice and say, God, what are you doing to us? Why did you bring us here? We were better off in Egypt. In fact, let's just go back to Egypt. And Moses, we don't know what to do with you. Maybe we'll stone you to death. You know, that they, they are upset and, and they're turning on God. And the, the presence of God appears at the tent of meeting, the place of worship. And he calls Moses in and he says, Moses, I've had it up to here with these people. I have done so much for them. I have done miraculous things. I've rescued them over and over and over. I have done things for them. And what do I get in return? Rebellion. Here's my plan. I'm going to wipe them out and I'm going to start over with you. Now, if that were me, I think I might be saying, really? You want to build a nation out of me? I get to be the top dog? Okay, let's do it. But not Moses. Instead, I have this image of Moses standing in front of all the people gathered and stretching his arms as wide as he can to cover them and saying, God, remember who you are. Remember that you are a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love. Forgive them. And in that prayer, Moses is being an intercessor. He's standing between these rebellious, sinful people and God and pleading with God for them. He's putting himself on the line for these people. You see the same thing happening in 1 Samuel 14. Saul and the Israelite army are are attacking the Philistines and, and the defeat is getting close and they're winning the battle. And Saul makes a decree, a vow. He says, no one is to eat anything until we've completely defeated the Philistine army. And if anybody does, they're going to die. His son, Jonathan, doesn't hear this. So Jonathan's out fighting and, and winning some battles and he gets hungry, he's tired. So he finds a, a beehive with some honey in it and he re- refreshes himself with that. When, they get, when the battle's over and they win, they all get together and Saul knows someone has, has desecrated the vow and the lot falls to his son Jonathan and he's ready to take him out. I mean, a vow's a vow. You make a vow, you have to fulfill it. And the ar- members of the army come and they stand between Saul and Jonathan and they say to him, no. You cannot do this to Jonathan because what he accomplished today was in the power of God. He was in the spirit of God in this battle, and this is not going to happen. Intercessor. And when we read the scriptures, the Old Testament and on into the New Testament, God says to his people, I'm going to make you not just a kingdom, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. And priests are people who stand between. They stand between God and the people and they intercede. They represent the people to God and God to the people. And God says to the children of Israel and in the New Testament to the church, you're my kingdom of priests. 
And one of your roles in this world is to be intercessors. This is what the body of Christ does. This is what my children, my people do. You pray for others. You stand between. You stand in the gap. Now here's the hard part about that. You can't really stand in the gap for people until you are willing to identify with their pain. I mean, how much are we really praying for people if we really don't care that much about what happens to them? And being a biblical intercessor means we are willing to identify with the pain that people are feeling. We're willing to identify with whatever stuff people are going through. We're willing even to identify with the sin that people are engaging in. As a means of taking it on ourselves, identifying with them. That's hard. We like living comfortable lives. We don't like feeling that You know, we have to take, we have enough pain ourselves. We don't want to take on what other people are dealing with. But that's what intercessors do. The heart of intercession is identifying with people. It's feeling their pain. If we say we love people, but we don't love them enough to feel their pain, do we really love them? Do we really care about them? Are they really important to us? Being an intercessor means that we take on the pain and the struggles of whatever else people are dealing with. Wherever they are in life, we take it on ourselves in every way that we can in order to take the weight off of them. We identify with them. We let them know that something in us feels the pain and whatever they're going through too. I read about a man who, who grew up in a very conservative evangelical church. So he was a little bit surprised himself when he became very burdened for people who were dying with AIDS. He had grown up in a, in a, in a congregation where people who had AIDS were looked down upon, were condemned, and where a lot of people that he knew would probably look at them and say, well, hey, you're just getting what you deserve. But God began to stir in his heart a compassion for people who were dying of AIDS. And he sensed God saying to him, him, I want you to go to these people and just sit with them. Read to them, listen to them, love them. Try to do everything you can to take their pain onto yourself. And that's what he did. And he didn't, he wasn't able to report lots of conversions. He wasn't able to see the results of that in what he was doing, but in some ways that was immaterial. He simply did what God asked him to do, and he did everything he could do to feel the pain of these people who were dying of AIDS. See, our calling isn't to assault people with Christ. Our calling is to bear their burdens. To take upon ourselves what they are feeling and the weight that they are carrying. Because we love them. We care about them. We stand between people and Yahweh. 
If you're going to identify with people, you can't do that cautiously. You know, it's risky. It, it's going to be painful. It, it's going to mean stepping out of what feels comfortable and easy for us. And in many ways, it's, it's one of the definitions, I, I think, of holy living. That God has so filled us with his spirit and he's changed our hearts toward other people. Particularly people that we might avoid or disagree with or, or want to, to push to the periphery of life. And God has so worked in us that we actually feel a burden for them. That, that's holiness. You think about Jesus dying on the cross. This is the ultimate expression of being an intercessor. He didn't just take our punishment upon him. He took our sin upon him. Isaiah 53 says that the Messiah was numbered with the transgressors. So you line up all the people and you say, okay, everybody who sinned, raise your hand. There's Jesus. Not because he sinned, but because he took our sin upon himself. And he felt the weight of that and the guilt of that and the pain of that. Even to the point of feeling as though he'd been cut off from his father. Because he took that upon himself. And we may not be called to give our lives as intercessors with people. But we will be called to sacrifice something. Because that's what intercessors do. How can we say that we care about people and we love them and we're really praying for them if it doesn't cost us anything? And it might cost us time. So instead of praying 30 seconds for someone, maybe we pray 30 minutes for someone. And for some of us, that may be the only thing we really are capable of doing at the point of our lives. But for others, it will mean more than just praying, as important as that is. In fact, it is in the praying for people that God will often speak to us about what else we need to do. A letter we need to write or a visit we need to make. Or just being present with people as God leads us and directs us. There's something inside of us that cares so much about people that it grows out of us. And we begin to develop a heart that looks like Christ. John Wesley used to talk about there is no holiness but social holiness. And that phrase has been sort of captured by, us, by some in the church who have made that to mean that the only thing that, that being holy means caring about people's social needs. And, and that's certainly important. The scriptures are clear and God says to his, his people over and over again that we need to care about people who are in need, people who are vulnerable, People who are poor. People who don't have a voice in society. We ought to be their voice. And the scriptures are very clear about that. But that's not really what John Wesley meant. He was using this in, in response to people who said, I, I am most holy when I'm on my own, by myself, cloistered away. When I can get away from people and get away from the world, then I can be holy. And the goal of life was to get away from other people. The goal of life was to remove ourselves from the problems of the world. Then I could be holy. And Wesley said, there is no such thing like that. 
Now, we get away in order for God to work in us and God to speak to us so we can hear him. But that's not the end of it. That's the means to then send us into the world to be holy people. And to care about people and to be present with people and to love them and to hurt with them and to stand in the gap for them. That's holiness. That's holy living. And so that means we're going to need to know what's going on in the world. We're going to need to understand the things that are happening. And honestly, I would rather not most of the time. I don't want to hear about the millions of people in Africa who live in refugee camps. I don't want to hear about another suicide bomber that killed hundreds of innocent people in a market. I don't want to hear about famine and drought I want to just close the world outside of me and just live in my comfortable shell. But that's not Christ in me. That's me in me. And the call of Christ on our lives is to be in the world and to care about the world the way God does. That's really what it comes down to in being an intercessor. It is seeing the world the way God sees the world. And it's loving the world the way God loves the world and caring about the world the way God cares about the world. So that when we pray for people, they're not just words that we speak, but it's, the broken, it's a broken heart that creates the words that we speak and leads us to care so much that we identify and we're involved and we're willing to sacrifice whatever we can to stand in the gap. This is a hard thing for any of us. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives, changing us, making us into the image of Christ, teaching us, filling us. It's only when we begin to recognize that Christ, it is Christ's intercession for us. His ultimate intercession on the cross and his continual intercession now before the Father. It's only because of that that any of us are here in the first place. It's only because of the grace of God to us that we have any opportunity to be people who might extend the grace of God to others. Rob Bell's book, Love Wins, has, has generated a lot of con- controversy, conversation over the past year or so. When I read it, there were some things that I agreed with. There were some things that made me nervous. A few months ago, I was talking with someone about that book, and they asked me a question. I said, what if, what if everybody does get into heaven? He said, I'm not saying that that's right, that's the way it is, but hypothetically, what if God in his his perfect sovereignty finds a way for everyone to legitimately get into heaven? How would we respond to that? I have to admit, there's a part of me that wants to say, that's not fair. Look at everything I've done and everything I've given up and everything I've sacrificed. That's not fair. 
And I realize that my answer belies an attitude and a judgmental spirit that says, I, I have more in me that gets me into heaven than other people do. I'm more worthy to be in a relationship with Christ than other people are. And no wonder we wrestle with being biblical intercessors. The Pharisees could never be intercessors like this. Because they look at everyone else and say, we're better than you. Why would we care about you? And that haunts me because I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to have the mindset of, of a Pharisee. I want to have the mindset of Christ and of his disciples who sacrificed even their lives to stand in the gap for people. But the most natural thing in the world is for us to judge people rather than love people. The most natural thing for us in the world is for us to say, how can I protect myself instead of how can I risk The most natural thing in the world is for me to close everyone off so that I'm safe instead of opening myself up and to be vulnerable. But being a biblical intercessor means being vulnerable. As Moses is standing before the people, he could have been the first one to take whatever God was going to give them. But he was willing to take that risk because he loved these people so much, as undeserving as they were. He loved loved them. And he was willing to stand in the gap for them. It's costly and it's risky, but it's the call of God. The book Red Moon Rising has really had a huge impact on my life. It was this book that first got me thinking about 24-7 prayer vigils and and creating an atmosphere as a congregation where we might enhance, uh, be people who really cared about praying. And it was was so motivational to me. I've read it four or five times. And in this book, he tells the story of a guy named Paul, whom he describes as a large guy with long, matty hair and, and large flares in his arms, huge muscles. So they were having this gathering, a prayer gathering, and people were standing up and they were sharing. And and Paul stood up and he said, my sister has anorexia. She is 26 years old and she weighs 70 pounds. She's also developed arthritis so bad that she can't dress herself and she can't straighten her hand. She, it seems like she is developing diabetes and she is moving into menopause 20 years too early. She said everything about her life is falling apart. She's not a Christian. She's just been robbed of everything, her womanhood, her dignity, her life. He said, I have a confession to make to you. I don't pray for my sister. He said, I've asked myself, why? He said, is it because I don't care about her? 
No, I care deeply about her. Is it because I don't believe in prayer? No, I, I, I believe with all of my heart in the power of prayer. He said, I have come to believe and understand that the reason I don't pray for her is because it's too painful. Because if I have to pray for her, then I have to think about what she's going through. And I have to feel that pain that she's feeling. And it's just too hard. I want to act like it's not there. I want to live in denial and just pretend that none of this is happening. But God is speaking to me about that. And he said, God is challenging me to feel my sister's pain because that's what it means to truly intercede. And I believe that beyond that, God is calling us to feel the pain of this world, to move from praying for people from our comfortable places to interceding with people in the pain and the agony of their lives. He said, I'm just wondering if we're going to allow the things that break God's heart to break our hearts. It'll be more tears and more listening It may even be the reason why so many of us struggle with our own personal burdens and heartaches because God's allowing us to feel the pain, to be weak and broken so our prayers have more power. He said intercession means weeping for the earthquake victims in the news right now and for the anorexics and the drug abusers and the sexually abused and the friends who don't know Jesus And God says if we will stand in the gap in this way, bridging the ravine between a hurting generation and our healing God, we will see a breakthrough, a new level of effectiveness in prayer. There will be power in our pain. A lot of the people who were listening to Paul talk put their heads down and averted their eyes from his gaze, and he noticed that. And he said, this is a tough word, isn't it? We're so often told to trust Jesus for a problem-free existence. But what if the call to pray is a call to bleed as much as it is to be blessed? Maybe we'll run out of words in the prayer room, and all we'll be able to do is to express in the Spirit with groans and agonies that only the Spirit can pray for us. And maybe our passion will consume us until we begin to actually live out our prayers in practical action. Interceding for people isn't trying to convince God to do something that He doesn't want to do. It's simply answering God's call to be involved, to have the privilege of being involved in what God wants to do in this world. It's about representing Christ to people who don't know Christ. It's about being the hands and the feet of Christ to people who feel that He's no longer present. It's about caring for people enough that, yes, our hearts will will be broken. We're going to sacrifice. That's what it's about. 
But we know God blesses sacrifice. And God uses sacrifice. And we do it because we know what Christ has done for us. It's the most natural thing in the world to want to represent him to others. We can't intercede like this for everyone or about everything. But I suspect God is calling us to more than what's typical. To to pray more than we typically pray. To do more than we typically do. To hurt more than we typically hurt. And certainly to love more than we typically love. Are we willing to let God get so into us that we stand in the gap for whomever he calls us to in whatever way he leads us to because Christ stood in the gap for us and he continues to do so. Please pray with me. I'd like for us just to take a moment and think about a person or a group of people, maybe a cause that represents people, to ask God to put someone or a group of people, something into our minds. that person or those people in your mind. Ask God to to begin helping you feel their pain. To begin identifying with them in a way that's completely different than how you might have identified with them before. Now ask God to help you be an intercessor for them. And to show you how he would like for you to do that. It might be an extended time of praying where you give up something else you want to do. It might be some other kind of of action. But ask him to show you the first step to being an intercessor for that person or that group of people.
Father, this is a hard word for us. And yet, there is a level of of joy that comes from being so engaged with you that your heart becomes ours. Father, give us grace through Christ to be the intercessors that you've called us to be. And we ask this through Christ, in his power, in his grace. Amen. This afternoon, in this 5 to 5.30 time period, we're going to actually be part of that, a large part of that, we'll be praying for each other about being intercessors. That we can help each other. Praying for each other as we follow God's call and leading. And that we as a church, as a whole, will be a place where this kind of intercession is natural. In common, because we want our hearts to be so filled with the heart of Christ.